Support for this WXAV podcast is being provided by Bookies, new and used books. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago. With a second location at 2015 Ridge Road in Homewood, Bookies specializes in new and used books. Their selection includes new releases, children's books, and bestsellers. For more information and upcoming events, please visit bookieschicago.com. You can also find them on Facebook by searching Bookies Chicago. Support for WXAV 88.3 is being provided by Northwest Community Credit Union. For over 80 years, the credit union has been providing its members with a comprehensive roster of financial products and services to help them achieve their financial goals. Whether it's savings, checking, or loans, Northwest makes its services available with online and mobile banking for your safety and convenience. Coming soon, a new on-campus location. For more information, visit their website at nwccu.com or call them at 1-800-TO-BELONG. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Hi, this is Peter Creighton, host of The Rockology on WXAV 88.3 FM, and welcome to my exclusive interview with Nick Campbell, better known as Left Vessel. In this interview, Nick discusses how he created a musical instrument using a tree, his interest in sound, and what college radio means to him. Here now, my interview with Nick Campbell. How did you yep. first uh, get involved with music? Uh, well, I mean, my, my dad was a musician and always was playing music for us as little kids. So it's it's been something that's been a big part of my life since I can remember. And then, you know, sort of normal things, started playing in bands and uh, in high school and just like connecting with other musicians. And then, uh, yeah, just, just not, there's no crazy origin story. Just it was, it was a big part of my life growing up with my family, and I carried it forward. So uh, it was just, it's been a natural, a natural thing for me. That's awesome. And those are usually, like, the best stories, too, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of specific memories and, and things to go into, I guess. But there was no, like, single moment where it was like, aha, music. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's just always sort of there which is, yeah, cool. Now, uh, your new album is called One and Driftless, and it's a really interesting album because it's very experimental. And mm-hmm. the one of the main ways you experiment on this is you kind of created a brand new instrument called the Arbo. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is the Arbo? And can you kind of discuss a little bit uh, about the philosophy behind it of how you went about creating it? Because this is just, this blows yeah. my mind. Oh, cool. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was a fun thing to sort of put together. Um, so, yeah, the, the Arbo is uh, basically taking a living tree and just stringing it. Uh, I usually just use piano wire and waiting that piano wire, and then you bow it. So, you know, it's just like a massive... Uh, you know, violin without a fretboard, and uh, then put contact mics on the tree so you pick up the vibrations and you can record it or amplify it. It makes some noise just naturally as well, but not very loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and it's sort of a nice thing. It doesn't hurt the tree. So, uh, you know, I'll be honest, My the re- reason I initially did it was I was just thinking of interesting ways to make music because I like to do little sound art projects. I've done gallery, you know, things in galleries for several years now, finding sort of different wacky ways to create, uh, you know, beautiful or hopefully beautiful music. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was literally just sitting around. I was like, well, 
it'd be cool to make music with a living tree. I wonder how you do that. And so there wasn't a ne- necessarily like a deep thought initially. It was more just sort of a fun idea. Um, and so I started experimenting with different ways you could do it. And some of them were like way too complex and wild, you know, just trying to make these contraptions. And eventually I realized it was actually insanely simple. You could just drape a wire over a tree. And if you weight that wire down with something, it creates tension and you have a wire you can play as an instrument and you, you can put multiple strings on a tree or, uh, you know, whatever, um, and uh, you can mic that up and do anything with the sound you want with it. And um, so, so initially, yeah, just sort of a basic fun thought. Uh, and then as I started to actually work on it, and I ended up spending about 10 days doing an artist residency in Minnesota uh, out in the, the Driftless area, sort of out in the woods, um, and just focusing on that 100%. And, and it started to become like really emotionally impactful, like sitting in the woods recording and working with the tree. And, and, and I am someone that cares, uh, you know, I'm greatly concerned about the climate situation and the environment as, you know, many, many, and maybe even most people at this point are. And, um, and it did start to symbolize something as I was there sort of working with this one tree day after day, um, just in the woods being with nature, I realized I was working on music in a way I never had before that I was literally outside, you know, running a really long extension cable to get my computer out there to record, recording with nature um, and, and actually using it to create musical sound, not just in like, a, you know, a lot of people have done, you know, record sounds in nature and build beautiful sound pieces out of it, but actually performing like, you know, written music with the help of a live organism, this live tree. It just started to symbolize to me this idea of like, finding ways to work with nature instead of extracting from nature, you know, instead of cutting down a tree and making a guitar or piano, using that tree, working with it, and then leaving it to continue living its life. Uh, you know, it's, and of course I was still using a computer and other extractive materials. I'm not going to claim that, you know, it's a, it's a perfect thing, but it became symbolic to me and, and really meaningful. And um, so it is something that I really want to build upon and find more ways to express that idea because it started to feel like something worthwhile at this point in time. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible how you're trying to find that balance in and leave uh, as little of a, of a fr- footprint as possible. Now, did did you experiment with like trees like like you know, did one tree sound different than the other? Like, how did you determine, okay, yeah. this is this is the one I'm going to use? Yeah, they um, they do. Um, but the tree that I ended up recording with um, on the album, uh, it, it, it sounded good uh, compared to the others. But the reason I picked it is more about uh, a height and um, the, the branches. Um, so, you know, I literally just walked around the woods where I was staying and found a tree that had branches that could hold the weight. So, of course, I didn't want to break any branches off, um, but also had a branch height that was at an appropriate level so I could easily uh, perform with it and, you know, wouldn't have to be draping piano wire from 20 feet above me. So um, it was actually more practical than artistic, the reason I picked the tree. But it was a beautiful little tree and, uh, you know, had some some healthy, good branches that uh, made for good... uh, uh, work good for stringing up the piano wire so it worked out well um but yes different trees do have like different tonalities um you know and a lot of that i'm sure is just the thickness of the branch or the kind of bark 
um, that's something I absolutely want to explore more with um, 100%. You know, I, I, I have not taken this concept as far as it can go for sure. And so the things that I'm excited to do with it are, like you said, test different kinds of trees to see how far that, those variances go. And then um, also just doing ensemble pieces with lots of people playing them is, is uh, sort of the next vision that I'm working towards. Oh, that's awesome. Stay tuned for the next album from Left Vessel coming soon. There you go, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, you, you, you mentioned that this album, which is, it's beautiful, it was recorded in the Driftless region in Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. How did this region kind of, you know, influence, you know, your writing for this record? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I'm going to say that the record's cut into a, two pieces, really. Some of it is in the Driftless region, um, and then some of it's recorded in studios, mostly around Los Angeles. Um which is where I was living um, at the time. Um, and so, you know, it all ended up sort of coming together in a really beautiful way and speaking to a bigger um, picture. But the, um, the, the Driftless, the stuff that was recorded there is 100% inspired by that area. I didn't have any songs written when I got there. Um, I went there with a plan, you know, I knew what I wanted to do, but I wanted to write the music there on the spot. So that music is... Uh, any of the songs on the record that are titled Driftless specifically are are the ones that were 100% recorded there. And I, and I did some more pieces of music there, but those are the only ones I really ended up putting on the record. Um, and, you know, those were written there in the woods, just, uh, you know, playing along and, and sort of uh, commenting on what I was experiencing there. So, so I mean, it, it, it couldn't be disconnected from the nature there. Uh, it was definitely, you know, it would, the music wouldn't have existed without my time spent there. That's awesome. Now, my, my favorite track on the record is This Year B. Um, it's a beautiful song, and it's got an absolutely stunning music video. Can you kind of yeah, talk a little thanks. bit about how that, that music video was created? Yeah, you know, I worked with a videographer who is sort of like, um, I, we basically just shot back and forth uh, thoughts on different images that would make sense with the, the well, I mean, the images are in the music, but which ones to sort of highlight and how. And, um, you know, the, how that song came about is, is an interesting one. Uh, my, uh, I have an aunt who is uh, a shaman, and she's uh, just a re- really fascinating person. And um, for a while we were doing, uh, it actually started with the tree thing. When I was having this tree idea, she's really into trees. And was like, well, let's do some shamanic journeying and um, and like meet some trees and see what they're supposed to sound like and what they want to do. Anyway, we, we ended up not sticking with it as long. I want to go back to that because I think we could end up doing something really fun and cool with that. But um, in the course of those, um, she basically just taught me the the method that uh, people use to do shamanic journeying. It's almost like a like a form of meditation, except the opposite of like you know meditation. You try to quiet your mind and like ideally reach like almost like a beautiful nothingness whereas with shamanic journeying it's almost the opposite you invite at least in the way that she was teaching me it it's like uh you know you sort of let everything rush at you and like um capture those images and those the doing that with her is was what inspired that song um you know it's reflected a lot's happened historically in the last few years that have been really um sort of dark and difficult for all of us 
And uh, so, so the, the year, the, the song was sort of about reflecting on a year, looking back and looking forward, but it, it came out of the shamanic journey. I don't know if I'm connecting ideas very well. It was like all these things sort of came together, all these visions I was having from these shamanic journeys mixed with uh, sort of the difficulties of the year and looking ahead and hoping that like, you know, hoping for a better future for everyone, which uh, anyway, that, that was sort of what that was about and, and tried to capture some of that imagery in the video. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Now I, I kind of want to uh, shift gears for a moment because on your website, yeah. Um, and you mentioned it earlier that, you know, you've done some, some sound experience, uh, uh, experiments and you're, you're a sound artist. What is it about sound that kind of excites you? Yeah. Well, I think the reason I started focusing on anything in a sound art way, um, well, well a few things. So, so first of all, like years ago at the, the art Institute there in Chicago, um, I grew up in Ohio mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we'd go to Chicago, go to the big city every now and then. And I, um, you know, I was there and, um, saw an, an art exhibit or an installation by Bill Diola, this beautiful video artist. Mm-hmm. And like, um, that it just like blew my mind. Like if anyone listening to this or yourself, if you ever have a chance to go see a Bill Viola installation, do yourself a favor and go just do it. It was really impactful, like totally changed my life. And that was just sort of always in the back end of my mind. Like it was just this way of having like interactive uh, art gallery sort of experience. Not, not truly interactive maybe, but just really impactful, impactful moving art gallery experience was sort of out of the norm. So that was always in the back of my mind as something just I found really beautiful. Um, and that somewhere in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe someday I could find a way to do things like that, you know, and I don't even know what that means. And I still don't necessarily, but, um, you know, then I went on and started doing music and, you know, have my, my first band out of New York and we toured for years and recorded and did the whole thing. And, um, you know, that band came to an end, next band started, so, you know, like normal music, you know, just life playing, you know, playing with bands, touring, doing the whole thing. And, and somewhere along the line, I did start to think back to that kind of experience and think like, how, how could I connect the, the, the music I love to write with the art gallery and f- find a way to really make it um, uniquely impactful. And I, I love making records. I love playing with bands or just, you know, like left Bethel is just like myself with uh, random musicians here and there. But uh, so I'm in no way talking down on that. It's a really important experience for artists and people that love listening to it. But, you know, music has like, we've all seen it like first sort of like the Napsterification and the Spotification. It's like, there's just so much music in the world to be experienced that like, there are times when I release a record, I just sort of feel like I'm, you know, like spitting in the ocean or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's just like, Oh my God, like I, I'm, this music means a lot to me and I'm grateful to put it out and have it shared. But I do sometimes wonder like, am I just making noise? Like I can't tell. And, so that I started to gravitate more towards, um, not more, I shouldn't say, but gravitate as well to doing things in a different setting with the art gallery, just because it felt like a unique way of approaching it. It, it did not feel like it was just one of, you know, 10,000 people doing it at any given moment. Um, and so it was sort of initially just me attempting to find a different way to express my music in a way that maybe felt um, a little fresher. And then connecting that back to the experiences I've loved in art galleries and just, just trying to figure out how to connect those two. So, uh, so, so what 
the sound has really been for me is a conduit to look at written music in a different way. Like I do, I love songwriting. I don't think I'll ever be like a purely ambient like artist where it's just like ambient or conceptual installation without like melody or form. Mm -hmm. I love melody and form so much. And that's something that I've always been trying to connect. And I've got a lot of more, more work to do. You know, like I, I want to dig deeper and figure out how to really do this very well and, and keep, keep it growing. Um, but bring melody and musical form into an art gallery context where it combines with sort of conceptual sound. Um, and so that, that's, that's been something I've been working on for a long time. And I've, I've done a handful of gallery installations and various events. And that led me, of course, to what I did in the Driftless region as well. Um, so it all sort of connects um, at this point in my life. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And and I think you bring up a good point because it's almost like we are overwhelmed with everything. We have information overload. Um, yeah. Because we have everything with YouTube, Spotify. It's just at the touch of your finger, which leads me into uh, my final question. But before we get to that, Nick, if they want to check you out, how can they go and check you out? What's your website? Yeah, the website is leftvessel.com, um, L-E-F-T-V-E-S-S-E-L.com. And then, of course, you can also just search it on any of your music listening services. I, I don't discriminate. It's everywhere on the Internet. So. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, I don't think there's a, there are no other Left Vessel out there. I've, I've picked a unique enough name, so you should find me if you search it. Yes, lovevessel.com. Be sure to check it out. Um, but you bring up an interesting point, Nick, and I think it ties back into – uh, what WXAV is, which is a college radio station. How do you see college radio? How do you view it as part of that uh, musical journey for musicians? Yeah. And how has college radio affected you and your career? Oh, that is such a cool question, and no one's ever asked that. And it's actually been very, very important to my career. I have, um, yeah, I mean, I've been playing with bands since the late 2000s. Um, and releasing records, um, you know, on labels and independently and the whole mix. And college radio has been crucial in a few different ways. Um, so I'm just going to sort of list off the top of my head and I name this stuff. I've, like I said, no one's ever asked this. So I've never thought of it in that context before, but it's such a cool question. Like on one level, I look at college radio as a network, like just this amazing network of people that are dedicated to great music in a way that you don't find everywhere else. So in one level, you know, it's just all the people working at college radio are such passionate, like, music listeners and sharers. And that's just such a cool thing to engage with on any level. And so, like, I've always looked at that as a cool thing on its own. But then beyond that, college radio is a conduit for artists that just don't really have access, obviously, to, like, mainstream radio. You know, they don't have, like, multi-million dollar budgets. Um, you know, it's, it's a way to be shared with a larger audience. Um, that just doesn't really exist otherwise. So, I mean, that from a, like just a functional getting music out there standpoint, like super crucial. And then, you know, it's been, been uh, I haven't gotten to do this yet with Left Vessel because of the pandemic, but with previous bands doing radio shows and, you know, while on tour, stopping at the stations that have been playing the music and meeting the people and doing on-air performances and stuff like that has also been such a cool way in the past of uh, making some relationships and, um, and also just engaging with communities that you wouldn't necessarily know otherwise because, you know, they're, you know, in different parts of the country that you don't engage with usually. And so, I mean, more than anything, it's just this supportive network that just, I mean, I don't know if there's any other network like it at this point now that so much of music is online to have like a physical network of passionate 
music lovers, listeners, sharers, um, that, that, you know, it's just, it's a cool and important thing. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, probably one of the greatest answers I've ever gotten for the college radio <laughs> question. So thank you okay. so much. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, again, leftvessel.com. Be sure to check him out. Um, actually, just one final quick question. Any plans on hitting the road anytime soon? I'm looking at it in spring of next year. I'm, I'm discussing with, um, I have an upcoming project that uh, with uh, another artist uh, named Ben Ben. So we've, uh, we've already finished a record together and, uh, Hopefully by then everything will be normal enough in life again that uh, it'll make sense to book a tour. So it would be me and him hitting the road together, doing some of our own individual projects and also playing the uh, the record that we've finished but not yet released. So, um, so yeah, if all goes well, next spring, uh, this this you know early next year, next spring or so, finally hitting the road. And you know I, I should be playing some shows around the Pacific Northwest here and there. But before then, but but yeah, the next uh, consistent, you know, consolidated group of shows will be then. Yeah. And be sure to check it out, LuffVessel.com, for all the latest news and information. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you taking the time as well. And, and uh, yeah, thanks again for playing the music. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, wxav.com, for more information on your escape from Ordinary Radio.